You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Guess who, this and that nation, and all those who are listening to this edition of This and That with David and Brenda? That's right, you are hearing the voices of your favorite co-host, Brenda, otherwise known as Miss Brenbren, and... This is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. We are coming to you like we always do from Podcast Land Studio with our eclectic podcast where we... Talk about everything that's anything. And what's today's date, David? Today is April 3rd, 2020. It's uh, another wonderful day in the world of Podcast Land Studio. Any day is a great day that you wake up and you're not six feet under. Yes. That's our philosophy. That's our philosophy, and it's never been truer than it is right now. But... We're going to get into that a little bit more um, down the line. We are listened to everywhere um, across the um, the globe. Well, okay, not everywhere, but we're getting there because we are listened to here in the U.S. and internationally as well. Let's start out with a, a shout out to all of those who are listening to us, whether it be their first time. They are among our loyal listeners of this and that nation, or they're somewhere in between. So let's start with our listeners here in the U.S. Shout out to Olive Branch, Mississippi. Columbus, Georgia. Jane Lou, West Virginia. And Chicago, Illinois. And now let's go international and thank all of our international listeners which include those in Cairo, Egypt, Haifa, Israel, Istanbul, Turkey, and Tehran, Iran. Now let's also give a shout out to those who are listening to us in the U.S. military. Yes, the men, women, and canines of the United States military, all five branches, their dependents as well as the civilian support systems contractors and so on. Of course, we want to give a shout out to all the first responders, police, fire, 911 across the country. Uh, thank you for what you do here on the home front. And we also want to give a special shout out to all of the frontline healthcare workers uh, across this uh, nation, really across the world. Uh, we're talking the um, emergency room, doctors, nurses, etc., um, ICU folks, respiratory therapists, and so on. Thanks for literally putting yourselves at harm's way um, as we battle the coronavirus COVID-19 across the globe. Yes, a very special shout out to all of you. And to your families as well. Yes. Because they are lending you out to us so you can protect all of those around you. And then you go home and you protect your families. So thank you so very much. Yes. What you do and the the, the sacrifices that, that you all are going through are, are not going to be in vain. They will not go in vain. Now, David, when um folks got some free time on their hands. And we all know that there are a lot of people across this globe because of what's going on with uh, COVID-19 that are going to have some free time. And they're listening or want to listen to our podcast. Where can they find us? Well, they can find our podcast, which is free, still free, always been free, and we will do our best to maintain the fact that it is free at no cost to you all. They can find that, as I like to say, wherever you listen to podcasts. Specifically, it is available through several podcast apps, streaming services, and locations. 
And those on-demand locations include our home base of SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, as well as uh, a lot of other places. And it's also available on all Alexa voice-assisted devices. And for those who are listening to us, if they have something they want to tell us or ask us, where can they email us? They can email the show at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N as in Nancy, that, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Also, they can send an email to that um, address and ask to sign up for our email distribution list, also known as our e-blast. And in that, uh, folks find out uh, what's upcoming with the This and That with David and Brenda podcast. Um, there'll be you know, little tidbits, thoughts for the day, and so on. Now, speaking of little tidbits, what's our thought you should know for this, our 45th edition of This and That with David and Brenda? Well, we we left in there essentially a question that keeps coming up a lot, and that is it safe to donate blood given uh, what's going on with the coronavirus, COVID-19? Well, is it? That is a big, all caps, yes, yes, yes. In fact, blood donations are needed everywhere yesterday. That's right. They are on the... um the low end right now because folks are not able to um, either donate or they're scared to donate. Plus the the blood drive. And plus the demand. Right. And, and, you know, there would have been blood drives that happened through, you know, work and everything else. And those have all been put on hold. So all the blood banks need blood. They need you folks. So So you got some free time on your hands. Call your local blood bank and set up a schedule or an appointment so that you can go and make a donation. Now, don't they say that one donation saves three lives or something like that? Oh, I have no idea. Well, call your local (laughs) blood bank and find out because you will save a life. Now, David, what are we going to talk about on this edition of This and That? Episode 45 is our COVID-19 coronavirus straight talk edition. Straight talk about where we are in the global coronavirus pandemic um, as far as um, countries and in here in the U.S. where we're based, the states. Also, we're going to, from, this is another kind of special edition. Uh, we may, we're not going to be keeping up the special editions all the time. But what Brenda and I are going to try to do is, going forward, have a fact versus fiction, or or fact or fiction, however you want to look at that, as far as various myths that people have out there regarding the coronavirus, because they are very pernicious and persistent. They're out there on the internet. People try and beat them down. They come back up, or... You, you know, before the various lockdowns, you were hearing it, you know, at work or barbershop or whatever. So we want to dispel some of the myths that are out there. So we'll be doing, and there's so many of them, um, and we got to unpack them all. We're going to be doing one a broadcast until we hopefully go through all the major ones. We, we, we could actually keep doing this probably for the, the rest of the remainder of this and that because there's just so many out there. But we're going to go through the major ones. Um, definitely one an episode, maybe two, but because we got to unpack these things. But there are tons out there. Yeah, there are tons of myths out there about um, not just about COVID nineteen, but about a lot of different topics. So we're going to um, try to give you a little straight talk, so that you can make up your own mind and be able to tell the difference. Now, uh, David, you know there is a myth that you got going on out there that um, I want to set the record straight since we're talking about straight talk. And that myth is 
I can't sing. Uh, I'm not even touching this. I'm not touching this. And because uh, David says, I can't sing. I, have I ever said you can't sing? Yeah, you, you, you alluded to that fact. So, since, I, since this is our straight talk edition. Let's. And we're going to, and I'm going to sing our way into. You do that. The next segment. My, I've never said you can't sing. I think you are very ambitious, which is laudable. <laughs> but that means that you're going to fail every now and again. All right, well. And failure is good. You learn from let, failure. Or you see, should learn from let's failure. Let's see how I do now. So, so thank you again, This and That Nation, for um, listening to us week after week. and um, And I know right now, that many of you are finding yourselves on stay-at-home, shelter-in-place, lockdown, whatever the order may be, because of what's going on with the coronavirus. Yeah, depending on where you're on the world. Yeah. So anyway, here is my rendition of what you might want to be thinking about doing because you are having to make contact with folks by phone. So here's what I would suggest. Call him up and sing this song. Are you going to sing Stevie Wonder? No. Okay. You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. I'm so very happy to call today to let you know just how much I miss you. So let me sing happy sunshine to you. So there you go. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. This and That Nation really want to set the record straight, also give it to you all straight, what's happening with the COVID-19 pandemic global outbreak. Hopefully everybody's sitting down relax, gone through their deep breathing techniques, or do whatever you usually do when you listen to the podcast. And let's just jump right into it. So again, as of today, April 3rd, 2020, the afternoon of, there are 181 out of the 197 recognized countries in the United Nations that have confirmed COVID-19 cases. Would you like to repeat that stat again? There are 181 countries out of 197 recognized countries in the United Nations. That's 92% of the countries on the planet have reported COVID-19 cases. No, that's scary, David. It is scary. And we know that there are actually more countries because there's some such as there were intelligence reports that have been picked up by newspapers that say North Korea has issues, although they publicly say they don't. They've been quietly reaching out to try and get some help. So they're not in that stat. Um, And there are some other countries that exist that aren't counted as countries. Or there may be countries that are in the stat, but they're underreporting. Yes, they're definitely... Again, pretty sure there's some underreporting going on, such as Russia. People are pretty clear that Russia's numbers, although they've gone up recently, everybody's like, there's just no way that it's that low, uh, and, and on and on. But we digress. So as of, you said, this afternoon, yes, we're at 92%. Yes. So out of 181 countries, David, how many cases? Again, and this number will shoot up, it is 1 million 83,084 cases, and that's as of this afternoon, April 3rd. Again, that's scary, David. It, it's very scary. It is, it is very scary. And again, this is, a, this is an underreported number, as said by the experts, because there's um, not just in the U.S. In the U.S., people you know, are getting over this whole lack of testing and inadequate testing, which there is, but most countries around the world are not doing the testing thing for a variety of, of reasons. For, and, and we won't get into their, some of these reasons are not for the same reasons as, as in the U.S. But we know that this number is not the real number. 
is much higher. And the scientists and epidemiologists, they debate this back and forth. And, you know, there are various models that project what will happen. And some of these variables that go in there is how many infected people are there in the world versus not, how many of them are showing symptoms versus not, and so on and so on and so on. And that's where the, de where the debate is. All right. So we know these um, numbers are always changing. Yes. And so who has the distinction of being in the top spot of having the most confirmed cases? Well, um, because it's the U.S. and we love sports and there's no sports now, uh, we've, I've compiled a top 10 list. So here's the top 10 list of countries. You really don't want to be on this list. No, you don't. But who has the distinction of being in the number one spot? Well, you know, we like to say USA, USA, and we're number one. Well, unfortunately, we're number one. There, And again, the number, the total number, I'll, I'll, I will only say because it is so astronomically high and, and it didn't take that long to double. It, today, this afternoon, it's 266,671 266, confirmed cases in the United States. So that's and, over a quarter of a million. Uh, yes. And it did not take that long to go from 100,000 to 200,000. It, it was like a matter of days. And this is what exponential growth is all about, as we talked about in the other um, podcast uh, that we did. Uh, the Hunker Down Edition, 44. So the U.S. is number one, Italy is number two, and Italy is at 119,827. Spain is in third position, 117,710. Then you finally get down to five digits with Germany, which is 90,964. China, where all this began, is in fifth position now, 82,511. So are you telling me Spain has leapfrogged China? Yes, as well as Germany, yes. But Spain is in, unfortunately, is in a, 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 a world of hurt. Um, and we'll talk, I'll talk, allude to it a little bit more later on that. Uh, France is behind China, number six, at 65,197. Iran is at 53,183. But again, people believe that number is lower than it really is. Um, the UK is at 38,688, and they've been coming up fast, very, very quickly. Uh, Turkey is at 20,921, and then Switzerland at 19,606, rounding out the top 10. So, again, not a list you want to be on. No, not a list you want to be on, and, um, and I don't think it's going to get any better. Yeah, and we'll get in, we'll touch on that in, in just a bit. Will it get better? Will it not get better? That's the breakdown for the globe. All right. With, what's the breakdown for the U.S.? In the U.S., um, and I don't think this is any surprise to the folks who've been paying attention. New York State is number one. Well, uh, let's first uh, paint the picture of how many states in the U.S. have confirmed cases. Um, all fifty states. Plus Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, and the uh, Mauritania Islands. And also Washington, D.C. is not a state, so they have it as well. So everything that's a U.S. state territory and the District of Columbia, there, there is, are COVID cases everywhere. So it's everywhere. Yes, it is everywhere. So that said, New York is number one. Uh, they are the epicenter, and New York City is the epicenter of the epicenter. Um, and then we could break it down to Queens inside of New York is as well, is, is the epicenter within the epicenter of the epicenter state. And there are 102,867 cases, confirmed cases in New York state. And um, they, they are doing the most okay, testing. No, 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 wait a no, minute. No, 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 what? So how many cases are in New York, you said? 102,867. Yes, it is almost half of the cases of the United States. Yes. So if you, you said Italy was number two country-wise. That is correct. And they were what, 119 or whatever? 119, 827. So if New York were a country, they would be in the top 10 of 
countries? Yes, they would be number four. They would be right. They would be between Spain and Germany, and they would push China out of. That would push China out of the top five. Again, my quote of the day. That's scary. It, yes, it is, it's, it's very scary. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. It's very scary. And the drop from number one to number two. New Jersey, right across the, the river from New York, is number two. Again, New York, 102,867 cases. New Jersey, 29,895. That's second position. That's how much of an order of magnitude difference between what's happening in New York City and uh, not New York, New York State, most of it is New York City, and New Jersey. Is that also because New York State is doing more testing? Um, I would say yes. Not an epidemiology. It just stands to reason because they're doing more tests per capita now than any, any place on the planet. If New York State were a country, they would be doing the most testing per capita, which is uh, a fancy way of saying based on populations if you evened it out. So instead of looking at absolute numbers, you look at, you know, percentage per year population base. Okay, can we digress for a minute? Uh, digress away. You, um, you were getting ready to say a word that people keep throwing out, and, well, I can't even spell the word, so, but I think I know what it means. But what is an epidemiologist? Um, as the name implies, an epidemiologist is a scientist um, that studies outbreaks, diseases, etc. So they're the folks that, that go in and, and figure out, um, for example, uh, the flu every year. They, they are the ones who figure out when is the flu coming back, which strains, and so on and so on, things like that. Um, that's what they are, disease hunters. All right. What are the top 10 states in the U.S.? <laughs> okay, that's what I was doing here. Um, so, again, New York, number one. New Jersey, number two. California is now number three, 11,339. Michigan is coming up faster, number four, 10,791. Louisiana kind of came out of nowhere. And um, most of that is New Orleans, but Louisiana, Louisiana's at 10,297. Unfortunately, they have the distinction of logging the most deaths per capita of anywhere on the planet. So not, it's not looking good for what's happening down there in Louisiana, specifically New Orleans, unfortunately. And there are reasons for that. Science explains what's happening down there, and we'll touch on that a little bit. Um, Florida... 9,585, no surprise if folks saw what was going on at spring break. And I'm tired of the numbers, so I'll just give you, round out the, the rest of the, the top 10. Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and then Washington State, which is where it started in the U.S. Here, we're, as loyal listeners uh, in This and That Nation know, uh, Ms. Brenbren and myself are in um, uh, Southwest Ohio, and Ohio's been pretty steady at number 16. Yeah, we keep fluctuating between 15 and 16. Yeah, exactly. Why are we at such a consistent number? Because um, our governor, Governor DeWine, made tough decisions early on to start shutting the state down, and, and that's helped to, to flatten the curve. And if you don't know what flatten the curve means, I'll, I'll give you a quick preview hint that we'll be t talking about uh, Definitions of terms in um, upcoming episode forty-six. So that's kind of a sneak preview of that. We won't, but that's that's what's happened there, and that's why Washington State's fallen to number ten and hasn't really grown, and why California, which was really, um, if you go back, it seems like a lifetime ago. But if you really just go back three weeks, California looked really bad, and yeah, they're number three. But when you consider California has forty million people, they're the most populated state. In, in the United States, um, not looking so bad because they, they blunted their curve as well through, you know, social distancing and everything else. And um, in, in fact, the hope is that not just in the U.S., but in other places, um, let me back up. When this new virus broke out in China, and we, talk, we touched on this in previous episodes of this and that, uh, and this is 
fact is not controversial. The Chinese kind of suppressed this information, hid it, in fact, kind of hid it from themselves or tried to, and um, it got out of hand. The disease just basically, the virus just got out of hand. And there were only a few countries on the planet, like Singapore, South Korea, Hong Kong, which I know is not a country, it's, it's, but, you know, it's in was an independent territory, kind of, sort of, and it's part of China, you know, one, one China, two system thing. They, they were able to um, contain, seemingly contain, the coronavirus. And in fact, um, Singapore, and part of the reason why they jumped on it early is because of the other respiratory coronavirus, novel coronavirus, back in 2002, 2003, SARS. And they knew their learnings from SARS, that they had to jump on this, and they knew what to do, and their citizens complied, and that was that. And they looked like, you know, models for everybody to follow. And um, Hong Kong was the first, because Hong Kong is all about making money, they were the first to kind of say, well, we got this under, we got this licked, and they started opening things up, and then all of a sudden, you know, bam, cases, 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 cases. And they've been, you know, um, trying to get back to where they were before. They're still in better shape than Europe, which is was looking like it was going to become the huge epicenter of this before the U.S., and Europe is still in bad shape, but the U.S., we're, we're on a, a league of our own that I'll get into. Um, so Hong Kong is in better shape, but they've got to scramble. Singapore was, you know, touting themselves out as a great model and everything. They had it um, contained. They were using apps for tracking. And in episode 50, we'll talk about all these different apps, smartphone apps and everything else. They were test doing tons of testing, and then they would isolate people, they would do the contact tracing based on cell phone data and apps and everything else, and it was like, you know, look at us, we've got all this, and it was, you know, looked awesome. They, they started, you know, relaxing more and more, and just today, which I guess is Saturday their time, because they're ahead of us um, in time zones, they are announcing a lockdown, because it's gotten out of control. So, you can do everything right with this virus, but if you take your foot off its neck, metaphorically speaking, it gets up off the mat and it does a jujitsu on you and your society lickety split. That is the lesson here. So, and to be honest about it, um, the folks who have been fighting diseases, infectious diseases and the like, who are not in the government, they're sitting like um, Dr. Michael Oster, Osterholm at the University of Minnesota, director of their infectious disease center and the like. And you might have seen him on TV. He's the guy who basically never smiles and just gives it to you straight. But he does also give you solutions. So, you know, when I was in corporate, he's the kind of person I would love to have on my team because it's like, give it to you straight, but they're not doom and gloom, woe is me, you know, the world is, the end of the world is nigh and there's nothing you can do about it. He gives you it straight and at least pass to take. So I actually actually like, but he's been saying for at least six weeks, everything he said has been laid out what was going to happen. And, you know, he's one of these people that they don't like to talk to in certain circles because the politicians, and this isn't just a U.S. phenomenon, politicians, they don't like to give people bad news. They like to do happy talk, a lot of them, not all of them. And that's that. Then you had Julia Kayyem, who was part of the um, Department of Homeland Security under Obama, and this is one of the things she, she's worked on. She's been, you know, all over the networks and writing in the Atlantic and everything else, basically saying what was going to happen. And she's looked like a prophet as well. So there are people, when you hear politicians come from and say, oh, we didn't know, we didn't know till yesterday, or nobody could ever have thought this, that is a bunch of hoo-ha. People knew... People were actually warning once the data came out of China where they couldn't suppress it anymore, and they were like, y'all need to get your act together. Not just U.S., this was around the globe, and it's not just, you know, Americans that saw this, there were other people. But it was the folks who were ravaged by SARS in Southeast Asia and who, who put in the infrastructure and the like did something about it. But even they underestimated what they're dealing with. And part of the problem is 
and, and a lot of the mistakes, and people will write these books about it, folks thought this was a lot like SARS. This is much more infectious than SARS, and it doesn't behave like SARS. And that's why I don't like to call it the real technical name of the virus is SARS-CoV-2. And I'm like the World Health Organization. They don't like that name because they're like, people are going to think it's too much like SARS. And it's SARS light. It's SARS light. It's in the same kind of family, but it is not SARS by any stretch of the imagination. It's infectious like influenza. And this is another mistake people made because they thought it was like SARS. They thought it was SARS until you started exhibiting symptoms you weren't shedding virus. You couldn't infect people. We know, you know, we, and actually we've known this for a while, but some people have been in denial about it. There, if you're asymptomatic, it's like the flu. You can have the flu and not be exhibiting symptoms and you can infect people. And then you know, there are lots of diseases like that. And that's how this thing is. And it is very efficient at infecting human beings, unfortunately, and spreading. Um, and so that's one of the major mistakes people have, have made with this. And uh, the folks who are experts in epidemiology, but they're not sucked into different governments, so they have to be kind of subservient to how those governments' you know, worldviews are, they will tell you that what, what's happened in Hong Kong and Singapore, that's going to keep going on and on and on for you know, the next at, at least 18 to 24 months or so until we have... A, a vaccine or enough people have become infected to be immune or become infected and or died. And, you know, it's just like that's, people need to be thinking much longer term, not just what are you going to do for, you know, the curve and making sure your hospital capacity doesn't die and do you have enough PPE, personal protective equipment for your healthcare workers and all. They're like, you got to be thinking well beyond that as to how are you going to live with this for, are you going to be on lockdown for the next 18 months, at least? Can you do that as a society around the, the globe or your country? Probably not. But can you do... You saw what Singapore just tried to do, and Singapore did everything right. And they were, like, opening up... They, it's not like they just opened up everything. They opened up just a little bit. Let's start with, the, you know, the schools and do this, and bam. They hit with cases all over the place. And, they, and the scary part is, with all their contact tracing and everything else... They can't figure out where the stuff is coming from. That's why they're, they're the um, leader of Singapore a few hours ago basically said, y'all are on lockdown. And when I say lockdown, it's not a lockdown like you know uh, China did. It's more like what the U.S. stay-at-home stuff is. There will still be essential services, but schools, casinos, all the stuff will be shut down. It's just shutting it down as of, um, I think, next Tuesday. So they're giving people time to prepare. And because Singapore is very technological, it's like school's going to be online. They already have, you know, contingency plans for that. They got the infrastructure for it. Everybody has, like, broadband. And we're not talking broadband like here in Europe. I mean, we, we're talking broadband like, you know, defense companies in the U.S. have broadband. That's what people have going into their homes. It's, just, it's mind-blowing. So they'll, they're going to gear that up, and that's what they're going to start next week, and hopefully they want to tamp this thing down. Well, that's one of the um, the good things about living here in Ohio. Uh, Governor DeWine seems to have himself surrounded by a good team of individuals that seem to not be afraid of telling people the bad news to come and helping people to prepare and they ease us into things gradually. Right, right. And part of it is, I mean, it's just a you know, confluence of, of events because DeWine, one of his focuses is on public health. He wanted to beef up the public health system, which is why he got Dr. Acton who, and everything else. So he had people in place when this hit who understood public health. It was a focus of his. And so he, he listened and empowered those folks, and they've been also not waiting on the federal government, the U.S. federal government for stuff. They've yeah, been, we're not even going to talk about the U.S. federal government. And because government. in Ohio, we actually still make things. We're able to, I mean, it's sad to say, but we do, we do still you know, make things here and have a lot of companies that, that were already innovating in the healthcare space or some other spaces, and they could retool over very quickly. So, you know, like I said, it's a confluence of a lot of different events. Here. So speaking of... Just like the, California, they got, you know, they make things still, Tesla and other stuff. So they're... Speaking of the U.S. Okay. federal government, 
Why are they moving so slowly on things? If I understood that, I'd be king of the universe. <laughs> I can't explain. I don't, and I don't know anyone who can explain it. I can't explain it. I mean, we have don't know. confirmed cases, like we said a few minutes ago, in all 50 states, plus the U.S. territories and Puerto Rico. But yet there are only 38 states that have... At least I think it's thirty. It's thirty eight, yes. That have um that are under a under a stay at home or lockdown kind of order that the state governor has issued. Right. And so you have these other well what, twelve states. Yes, and we're gonna name them. We're gonna that are name going and around shame and them. creating Creating a big problem. Yes, we're going to name and shame them because they are screwing the rest of us here in the United States. Because even though you have individual states like uh, Washington, California, and here in Ohio, where we are flattening the curve out, so we're, we're actually getting to where we can, you know, knock on wood, not have our healthcare system destroyed, and um, not be overwhelmed with, you know, needless deaths and things like that. As a country, when you look at the charts, as you know I do, every day, it's, it's like that old, um, wasn't it Sesame Street? One of these things is not like the other. Yes. Well, yeah, Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. And you look at the chart, and the U.S. is just hyper, it's, it's parabolic. It is not like, even Italy is slowing down. They got a long way to go, but they're slowing down. Their rate of, you know, cases coming in and death and everything else is slowing down because okay, you hear where the coronavirus task force in Washington says, oh, we're on the path of Italy. No, we're not. We are, we are on our own unique path, and it's not a good path. We're, at, sadly, when the history books write this, they may say that the United States had more deaths, you know, not just on an absolute number, but on a per capita basis. I mean, that's where we are right now because these states, and I'm going to name them here, and shame them, and are screwing us. And that's as of the afternoon of April 3rd. 2020. All right. So this is, I'm just going, you know, from from the East Coast to the West Coast, basically. And these are states that are not, that have not issued a stay-at-home or a lockdown order. Right. It's at the state level. If their cities doing, th- and I think some of these have cities that may be doing some things, but, you know, it's not effective if it's not the state. So you have South Carolina, Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Wyoming, and Utah. Those 10 states are screwing the rest of us. I thought there were 12. Oh, uh, yeah, I said 10. They're 12. That's 12. Okay. Let me think. Uh, yeah, that's 12. So what are they waiting for? I have no idea, but the governor of Georgia, who went to your alma mater. Thank you. <laughs> you're always usually proud. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still proud, but he had, not proud of him. He came out yesterday and finally, although it's not in place, um, the, the order's in place, but I don't think it takes, takes effect yet. And he said... He did not know until, I guess, Wednesday, sometime on Wednesday, that asymptomatic individuals could be running around and spreading the virus. And he's like, had he known that, he would have done something a long time ago. As Dr. Sanjay, let me just finish. As Dr. Sanjay Gupta said, who lives in Atlanta, is on CNN, as I think most people know, as he said, even his 10-year-old daughter knew that two months ago and what i'm you had to be like what i am going to say right now is (laughs) i'm going to use one of your technical terms that's a bunch of hoo-ha i i hope i hope he is lying because you know how scary that is if that's real and who are the people advising if and you know he's lying, actually, because I'd be firing people. And that's why I said to you, um, you know, yesterday or the day before when we were talking about what we're going to talk about, and 
it's important that you surround yourself with the um the right people, a team of of individuals that's going to tell it to you straight, and not try to paint over things and make you feel good so you can puff out your chest but, but Brenda, and all this other stuff. Brenda, because they, these the, are human the, lives at stake. The capital, the capital building. Atlanta is the capital of Georgia. For those who who are unfamiliar with this. And there's a Capitol building in downtown, the heart of downtown Atlanta, Gold Dome Building. As far as I know, that building is still not open because it became so contaminated from all the lawmakers who were getting infected. And that was weeks ago. But weeks you, ago. You have to... Um, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, is based in Atlanta. I think most people know that. Especially if they watched The Walking Dead. If they didn't know that beforehand. It's in downtown Atlanta. But David, All you have to, you have to say, down he the road. is in good company. Look Sadly. at what's happening in D.C. Sadly. Well, it's not just D.C. There are other countries, but too. I, I know. But, but we are just going to yes. focus on what's happening yeah. here in the U.S. But my point is, my, what I'm going at is, it's not just these states. It's not just these latecomers. It's not just even what's going on in Washington, D.C., there are people. There are other countries around the globe. What happened in the Netherlands? The Netherlands is, is they're not in the top ten anymore, but the Netherlands has a terrible problem because their their government basically were like it's it, 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 almost treating it like it was a hoax, and then at least the UK government of Boris Johnson they made a bad decision based off of science, you know, kind of sorta. They were looking at they were trying to get herd immunity. And just get it over with because this whole flatten the curve thing, um, and we'll talk this more in forty six. It 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 prolongs the outbreak, and that's why Doctor Osterholm and others are saying it's going to be at least eighteen months. Because and when David prolongs says, the out, outbreak, when David throughout that term, the word is heard as an H E R D. <laughs> yes, not hurt. As an H U R T. Yes, herd. I mean, we are hurting as a result of it. But. And and it's herd immunity, not herd mentality, as was said at the coronavirus briefing the other day. <laughs> but I digress. So at least that's what they were trying to do in the UK until people showed the numbers that. By the time it, they got to herd immunity, so many, I forget the number of, of Britons that would have died, and that's why they did the big 180, but they paid a huge price, and you know, a huge chunk of their government, including Boris Johnson himself, are infected, and it's just, it's just, a, it's just a mess. It's just, and they're unprepared for what's going to happen. It's just a mess. So, yeah, there's plenty of company all over. At least the UK, I can explain why they're where they are. They made it, they just, they made a decision, they of what they were going to try and do, but it just didn't work out. And I think it was partly based on there's this model out of Oxford, and they're not the only one. This is not the excuse in Washington, because I know that the people running our federal government, the scientists probably know about this Oxford model, but the politicians I know have no clue about it. But there's a model in Oxford that some people are calling like the tip of the iceberg model, because their, their thing in Oxford is... COVID-19, it's like The Walking Dead. Everybody pretty much is infected. They're like, it might be, we already might be at, you know, 60, 70, 80% infected already, and these lockdowns are unnecessary. And so if you just wait a little bit longer, you'll have herd immunity because it's already spread around so much. I think they're partly right. I think COVID is more prevalent than people think, and we just can't tell because of testing, but not to those numbers. Because otherwise we would have been seeing, you know, some of this, you know, some of these mysterious flu-like stuff much, much, much earlier. There's, you know, some evidence to suggest that there were cases, some cases that might go back to November. They might have been COVID. We will never be able to tell that, uh, at least not right now, uh, if ever. But you would have gone. You would have to go back. You know, the experts say at least to September or something like that. And there's no evidence that it was anywhere in the world in human beings anyway. Well, speaking of testing, um, right now testing. Is taking like um, five plus days to get results back as to whether or not somebody has um, got COVID-19 or not. But uh, there is a new test that's out now 
that's been approved by the FDA that comes back in 15 minutes. It's not that simple. The testing situation in the United States is, is not that simple because the way the testing works, if you're, if you're a hospital that's large enough and you have your own in-house in lab and you have the capacity, okay, you, you know, you, these tests, you're talking about the five-day turnaround. That wasn't because of the test per se. I mean, initially it was, but that the, the long turnaround time is because of the backlog because of the problem with getting test kits out there. And then there was a huge demand and surge and everything else. But the, the bigger problem now is these test kits are out, but what's a test kit? And this is where, again, the federal government, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, is just not serious. Because they put out tests. It's like, it, they remind me of like interns in a corporation that have a project and they just want to do a be able to check something off on a PowerPoint and said, I, I delivered X, but it's not usable. So they have these test kits out there, but the test kits may not have swabs so that you can get, you know, stick them up somebody's nose or whatever and get the, the material to then test to see if there's enough um, viral material load in there. And, okay, you're infected. And so there's not enough necessarily swabs. And then you have to put the swab in a solution, a viral solution, so that it stays viable for where you're going to ship it, even if you're just going to take it down a hall or something. There's not enough of that. They're coming up with substitute liquids. The viral solution is really the way it should go, but there's some other ones that, depending how long you keep in there, they may work now, but that was a problem. Then you need vials for all this stuff. There weren't enough vials, but they had the test kits. What if, I mean, when I get something that's called a kit, Brenda, I, I'm looking for all the components. <laughs> I may have to assemble, I have to assemble it, but I shouldn't have to go, you know, down to Home Depot or Lowe's if I'm, if I'm, you know, getting a piece of furniture or something, it's like, oh, well, gee, you know, I don't have, um, the, they're using a bunch of hex, hex nuts and they didn't give me a little hex wrench and it's a weird size instead of, because we're not on metric. Um, and although I have metric ones, let's say if I didn't have a metric one, people got to have to go scramble and find a metric hex wrench to go put something together. Or I need certain screws and bolts and whatever. That should all be in the kit. And that's, that's part of the problem is it's not in the kit. And then some hospitals don't have labs and they were sending stuff to, you know, the, the big um, companies that have these huge backlogs from um, previously when the tests, the original tests did take a long period of time and they still have to burn through those and then they have all these new ones. So the, the test situation here is really crazy. So are, you trying to t <laughs> so are you trying to tell me we're still on track for it's going to get worse before it gets better? Well, even if we did everything well, it was gonna get, it's going to be worse and better. And that's part of this whole straight talk is there's no, this is not a movie, folks. This is not a movie with a nice Hollywood ending um, like um, Dustin Hoffman uh, Outbreak. Dustin Hoffman, Cuba Gooding Jr., Rene Russo, your, your guy Morgan Freeman, and Donald, no. Donald Sutherland. Do not <laughs> There's let, an inside joke there, folks. Do not let people think that Morgan Freeman is my guy. He is not. I am not a Morgan Freeman fan in case folks can't figure it out. Anyway, this is not this is not outbreak, and they get the monkey, and the town doesn't have the thermobaric bomb dropped on it, and you know Rene Russo and Dustin Hoffman get back together, and blah 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 blah, and Donald Sutherland gets his comeuppance. No, this is more like 2011's movie Contagion, and in fact, I saw an interview with the screenwriter of Contagion just this afternoon, and he was asked. When you wrote the movie, did you think, you know, because the government in, in Contagion is pretty much, they, they make assumptions, they have models, but they pretty much know what they're doing. The CDC knows what they're doing, but they, they, they are waiting on the science and other stuff. And it's kind of like what happens here. Oh, they didn't think it was, you know, I don't want to give the movie away, but um, they're not incompetent. And it's like, did you, basically the question was, did it ever dawn on you to write the screenplay or whatever that, that you know, of having the, the government as incompetent as they appear to be right now? It was like never dawned on him when he was doing the research for the CDC and everybody else because they, they knew what they were doing. And it's like, 
it's he's he's just flabbergasted what's really going on in you know the real world versus contagion which does not have a hollywood ending to it at all so this is unfortunately more like contagion but kind of worse okay <laughs> because so because the response has been so botched for our straight talk listeners that may have some time on their hands Go watch because Contagion. they are under a stay-at-home or a lockdown order. What are the two movies they might want to consider watching? Uh, you can watch Outbreak, which came out in the 90s. Uh, and it's actually it's, it's a good movie. You watch Outbreak, that came out in the 90s, uh, which is more like there's more like a kind of Ebola outbreak. Uh, it's an Ebola-type disease that makes its way to the U.S., um, and the other movie is Contagion that came out in 2011. Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow, I don't remember who else is in it. Um, oh, um, Jude Law. Jude Law is in it. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. So it's, it's a very good movie. Not a Hollywood ending to that movie. Um, at all. So those are two movies to, to recommend. Okay. To folks. And... If that's a little too heavy for you and you want something a little more lighthearted to get you through this uh, worse before it gets better Don't. moment, watch Bewitched. I knew you were going to go there. Yeah, that's what I'm watching right <laughs> That's what I'm watching right now. And um, I appreciate uh, Samantha's nose twitching. So... Bewitch people. Comedy. Now, um, David, uh, before we kind of wrap up um, this straight talk that we're doing about um, uh, COVID-19. Yes. Um, I definitely want to extend to all of the listeners of This and That Nation and anywhere across the, um, the globe, um, we here at This and That want to extend our thoughts prayers to all of those affected or impacted by COVID-19. Yes, I, I second that as well. So as the saying goes right now, we're all in this together. Hang in there. We will get through to the other side, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. Yes, it's going to be a rough ride, but be safe. And remember, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Cover your mouth, cover your, when you decide you have to sneeze, and um, be safe. Here's what people are saying about this and that with David and Brenda. It's very informative, very good. I enjoyed it very, very much. Now, as we talk about COVID-19, we want to set the record straight like we've been trying to do with this edition of um, This and That with David and Brenda. And we want to set this, the record straight with a round of fact or fiction. And we're only going to really hone in on one particular topic. And that's who can get COVID-19. Fact or fiction. Can young folks get COVID-19? The answer to that is yes, it is a proven fact that young people can get COVID-19. Not only can young people get, and, and this, is, this is one that just irritates me to no end, and, and Brenda just, is, all, just has to put up with me when this happens, um, because I'm yelling at the TV all the time and people on there, because they have unfortunately made it seem as if at most, young people are going to be just carriers. And if something happens, it's, it, it, they may not even feel it. Oh, and I no. think this is why... Young folks are more than just carriers. Yes, and I think this is why, in a lot of cases, they're not taking it seriously. And for these purposes, by young, I, I mean the... I really mean like... Um, 40 and eight, under. Uh, no, I wouldn't say total 40 or under. I mean, I'm, I'm really, yes, I guess so. <laughs> I guess I'm saying 40 mm -hmm. and under. So millennials and Gen Zs. Um, 
Um, I was thinking people in their 40s. No. But no, 40 and under. So millennials and Gen Zs. And I know a lot of millennials say, no, we're taking it seriously. It's Gen Z. But no, there's millennials too. And, and again, it's not all their fault because the data initially out of China showed that the folks who by far were having to go to hospital, let alone end up in ICU, let alone dying, skewed older. And they were vastly men. It was almost two to, two to one male to female in China. And that was somewhat true when things started here in the U.S. It, you, you were seeing older folks. As, as, right, because it, it spread through that nursing home right. and, or assisted, whatever, uh, long-term <laughs> care facility, assisted living home in, in Washington State. And that was true in Italy, in northern Italy. But the Italians were the first to kind of sound the alarm on this and show, tell everybody they're starting to see younger and younger people there. And that trend has kept continuing. In fact, um, um, not only are we talking about the folks under 40, I mean, you know, the 20 to 40 crowd, there are infants who have tested positive for COVID-19 and have died from it. In fact, um, there's an there's a infant in Cook County that passed away. And Cook County, for those who aren't familiar... Is uh, in Chicago, I think. Yes, exactly. So the Chicago, Chicago land areas, they would say, has passed away. And there've been other, there've been other, um, you know, basically children. We talk about that have died, but there've been lots of people in their twenties and thirties who have died as well, not just in the United States but around the globe. And you know, the, this myth that it's only folks who are over sixty or sixty-five that are even going to end up in an ICU and pass away, it needs, it really needs to stop. That now, is, from a, that's very much fiction, listeners. Let me throw some numbers into this discussion. The um, CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention out of Atlanta, within the United States, 38% of COVID-19 patients who have to be hospitalized or have been hospitalized, 38% are between the ages of 20 and 54 years old. So that is more than one out of three. That's almost, that's almost four out of 10 people that have to be hospitalized are millennials, Gen Zs, with a smattering of Gen X, etc. thrown in there. That should be sobering statistics to anyone who thinks this is only a disease that affects people over the age of 65 or 60 or even 50. South Korea, half of all the people hospitalized are under the age of 50. And the median age was, ages are in the 20 to 29 year range in South Korea. The UK, still waiting for the actual numbers from the National Health Service, but they are seeing an unusually high number of young people who have to go into ICU. So again, they're looking at one out of three so far hospitalized, but they're seeing a, a larger number in the ICU. There are some working theories they think, you know, might be because of um, potential vaping. They don't know. They're just, they're kind of speculating on that, of why it is. But again... The message should be, if you are well under the age of 60 or 50 or even 40, you not only can catch COVID-19, you can end up hospitalized by COVID-19. And in some cases, you could die by COVID-19, depending on um, underlying illnesses. And you know, David, there was also talk about, uh, I believe the number was around 70 or so, of students, college-age students from the U.S. that went on spring break in Mexico, and 43 of those 70-plus students now have been diagnosed with COVID-19. 
So you can imagine the exponential impact that that has had on the folks that they were around before they were diagnosed. It wasn't just the folks that went for spring break down in Florida. There are lots of stories like that where people went to, you know, ski, ski trips and the like. And in fact, a lot of um, ski resorts, Utah has a, a huge outbreak. And you go, what's going to happen in Utah? Well, ski resorts, Idaho, ski resorts. Switzerland, Switzerland's in the top 10 of Europe because ski resorts. So yeah, it's not just spring break. It's people going skiing, people going, you know, on all sorts of different types of trips. Those facts should definitely dispel the fiction that young folks don't get COVID-19. I, I think this, this, this has to be hammered home, that at the very least, you or anybody else could end up becoming a, a carrier. You'd yep, be asymptomatic, and... not know it, or even if you're not asymptomatic, you just aren't exhibiting symptoms yet. And this, this disease is very, very contagious. So a lot of the individuals that went down to Florida on spring break and we saw you, you know, gallivanting around on the beach. Well, when you went back home, don't be surprised if you took a little of the COVID-19 back with you. And that's now what's spreading across the um, U.S. And we're seeing more and more cases of people getting sick with COVID-19 and being admitted to hospital. Uh, absolutely. And so. the same thing with those who went to Mardi Gras down in Louisiana. Or if you're going to any other big activity where you're mixing and mingling with people and you're not doing the it, social distancing. But it also doesn't have to be a big activity. There are folks still to this day that are out in the parks playing basketball. There's no way to do social distancing playing basketball. Now, if you're playing horse or something like that, then I guess, yeah, you could probably do social distancing that way. But actually playing, you know, three-on-three three or something like that, basketball-wise, it's, it's, people keep seeing that is just such a bad idea. And a few municipalities across the country are starting to take, um, you know, take the, the nets down or um, find ways to, to wall off the basketball courts and so on. Well, the fact is for sure, doesn't matter what your age is, you can become a person with COVID-19. Comments? Send your feedback to this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Edition number 45 of This and That is a wrap. It's time to upload the episode to the cloud. And we have talked a lot about COVID 19, straight talk, that is, about COVID 19. So hopefully those listening to this edition learn something and they will share this with others. Yes, absolutely. Please uh, share this information. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast, downloading it, if you subscribe to it, pass that information on. If you are part of our e-blast, um, share that with folks, get them to sign up and so on. Because we want to make sure that everybody has the foundational knowledge that is needed to get through this. And um, that's, that's really our, our mission here, is to make sure that folks are uh, armed with all the tools and information that they need to get through uh, this once-a-century global pandemic. As uh, Ms. Brenbren said in uh, episode 44, we're, we're, the way to think about this is really not that it is a, um, even a, a winter storm or that it's a, you know, a, a hurricane coming through, that type of thing. It's really a season. And as I said, if for those of you familiar with you know, Nat Geo's Life Below Zero, 
those folks up in you know Alaska living in and around the Arctic Circle, when summer hits, they're scrambling around, gathering the firewood, getting getting their meats and the like in order so that they can survive the winter that's coming. Yes, as always, when we talk about COVID-19, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So, the next time uh, you hear our voices, we'll probably be talking about COVID-19 again. So until then, all the best, stay woke, peace out. Bye folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.